This is Quotations, a podcast about words, written and spoken throughout history. If you can fill the unforgiving minute with 60 seconds worth of distance run, we shall fight in the hills. We shall never surrender. No matter where you're from, your dreams are valid. The Pale Blue Dot, the only home we've ever known. Hello and welcome to Quotations. I'm Matthew Monroe. Here's today's quote. Quote, This, I realized, now watching Dianakis rally and tend to his men, was the role of the officer, to prevent those under this command, at all stages of battle, before, during, and after, from becoming possessed. To fire their valor when it flagged, and rein in their fury when it threatened to take them out of hand. That was Dianakis' job. That was why he wore the transverse crested helmet of an officer. His was not, I could see now, the heroism of Achilles, He was not a superman who waded invulnerably into the slaughter, single-handedly slaying the foe by myriads. He was just a man doing a job, a job whose primary attribute was self-restraint and self-composure, not for his own sake, but for those whom he led by his example. End quote. Those are the words of author Stephen Pressfield. Stephen Pressfield was born September 1st, 1943, in Port of Spain, Trinidad. His father was stationed there at the time in the United States Navy. And he's a graduate of Duke University and a United States Marine Reservist, much as myself, Semper Fi. Pressfield downplays this in his autobiographical writing, but as far as I'm concerned, he'll always be a Marine, and, consciously or not, it has an impact on his writing. Speaking of which, Pressfield has written many, many popular books. His first big hit was The Legend of Bagger Vance, which I haven't read but know by name, and in researching for this episode, it sounds like one I might enjoy. And I like Pressfield as an author, having read two other popular books of his, Gates of Fire, about the Battle of Thermopylae, and Killing Rommel. And in researching for this episode, I of course visited Pressfield's website, which, to whomever designed it, well done, I'll say, I like the site quite a bit. And if you go there, you'll see that a lot of what Pressfield's pages are devoted to now is helping new and aspiring writers to become successful. And that strikes me as very interesting, because here we have a multi-million copy author who is essentially for free encouraging and laying out the harsh realities to interested writers and artists. And if you've been listening for a while, you know that I've toyed with the idea of writing a book. It strikes me as a gargantuan undertaking and one that I feel so wholly and completely uninformed, unprepared, and ignorant about that I don't even know where to begin. So for someone like me, Pressfield offers both hope and the acknowledgement that it is a hard road. Consider his splash page, which begins with, quote, if you're an aspiring writer or artist, I've got good news and bad news, end quote. And then he lays out three of each. He says, the bad are, there's an enemy out there. The second is, you are the enemy. And the third is that resistance will kill you. The good, however, is that you're not alone. Resistance can be beaten and that you've come to the right place. And there is, of course, a product offering somewhere in the page, but for some trepidatious artist or writer just setting out, just those few short sentences alone can be the springboard to finally accomplishing, or at least setting out to accomplish, that which you have held off doing for so long. And not to get too far afield here, but when I was considering starting this podcast back in 2020, I had many of the same doubts about it that I do now about writing a book. I knew little, if anything. I saw a huge sea of podcasts. There were around-ish a million when I first started. That number's now closer to 1.5 or 1.6, I believe. 
And I said, how on earth do I wade into that space and make something meaningful? Well, here we are, three years and more than 150 episodes later, and while I'm not This American Life or the Joe Rogan experience, I enjoy what I do. And I think I'm decent at it at this point, and based on the feedback that I get, so do many of you. But how I ultimately pulled the trigger to get started is a bit fuzzy. But I'm sure there was a coming together of numerous little sparks of inspiration that built to a conflagration to which I felt compelled to take on this project. And that's pretty cool, I think. Maybe that's what I need to do about this book thing. And maybe that's what you need to do about whatever it is that you're setting out to do. Maybe Pressfield's product offering can help. I don't know. Anyway, back to Pressfield and our quote for the day. And I'll read it to you again here shortly, but you know that leadership is of the utmost interest to me, always has been, and that I talk about it often here on the show. I, of course, blame the Marine Corps for this, as for nearly two decades of training for and service in the Marine Corps, leadership is the most common refrain taught and practiced and trained and evaluated, etc., that we have. I say this with gratefulness, not begrudgingly, as it's a noble pursuit, I think, the idea of honing and improving one's leadership at every opportunity. So this is not a bad thing. In fact, as a reminder to myself and the Marines I'm privileged to lead, I put a quote on leadership on a small whiteboard on my door regularly. This serves to both keep me sharp and focused on the most important aspect of my job, but also to remind everyone who walks by and pauses to read it that it's their most important role as well. And I don't bring this up to brag, but rather to say that the subject of leadership is not just a for-my-podcast-audience facade, but something that I take extremely seriously and have for many, many years. So obviously, Pressfield's quote here, which is taken from his book Gates of Fire, fits nicely in that area of interest. So here it is once more. Quote, This, I realize now watching Dianikis rally and tend to his men, was the role of the officer, to prevent those under this command, at all stages of battle, before, during, and after, from becoming possessed, to fire their valor when it flagged, and rein in their fury when it threatened to take them out of hand. That was Dianiki's job. That was why he wore the transverse crested helmet of an officer. His was not, I could see now, the heroism of Achilles. He was not a superman who waded invulnerably into the slaughter, single-handedly slaying the foe by myriads. He was just a man doing a job, a job whose primary attribute was self-restraint and self-composure, not for his own sake, but for those whom he led by his example. End quote. And if you haven't read the book Gates of Fire, I strongly recommend that you do. The speaker in the book is named Xenes. Xenes is one of only three of more than 4,000 Greeks who went into battle to actually survive the battle, which took place more than 2,500 years ago. At the time, a Persian force of more than 2 million was marching on Greece and this small 4,000-person force was sent out to delay them long enough for the remainder of the Greek armies to mass a stronger defense. And if you know the story, you know that they fought at the gates of Thermopylae, bracketed on each side by a tall, steep mountain range that couldn't be easily traversed, and a sharp drop-off to the sea on the other side, thus narrowing the point of entry to Greece for the Persians and reducing the impact of a 2 million versus 4,000-person fight. And of course, the storied Spartans stood at the head of this defense, and they fought valiantly. There were 300 of them. And if you haven't seen the movie 300 yet, I'd say don't. I'd say read this book instead, because it's much more compelling and much less Hollywood flair. And once you've read that, then maybe watch the movie, but only maybe. 
the book is pretty damn good. And if you have experienced or read about battle, books like Keegan's The Face of Battle, McCoy's Passion of Command, Grossman's On Killing, and of course, Pressfield's Gates of Fire, among others, do an amazing job of describing the horrors of battle and, important to this discussion, the effects that it has on people. Now, we all know someone, unfortunately, who has experience with PTSD, which is not exclusive to, but very prevalent in those who've experienced combat. Perhaps you know an older relative who fought in Korea or Vietnam, or perhaps it's a relatively young friend who fought in Iraq or Afghanistan or elsewhere. And this is what most people associate with combat trauma. It is trauma that comes home with you. This is post-traumatic stress. However, in combat, at the moment of trauma that can lead to PTSD, it doesn't always, but it can, there are immediate effects too. In this case, Zionese calls it being possessed. And for those uninitiated, imagine the most scared that you've ever been. Perhaps it was late at night, in the dark, when there was an unexpected knock at your door, or some weird yelling from the apartment next to yours, or perhaps it was a scream that came from out of nowhere, or maybe you were in a car accident or witnessed a car accident that played out in slow motion, or perhaps you were near a shooting, God forbid, close enough to hear it actually happening. Try to remember how that fear made you feel. Try to remember how that fear paralyzed you, momentarily, as you tried to process and figure out what to do. Now imagine that as a sustained fear that plays out not momentarily, but continually. And it's not hard to imagine that in combat, especially intimate close-in combat, like the Spartans at Thermopylae, that fear was universal. And importantly, paralysis, due to that fear, could end you. And in this passage, Dianikes is actively seeking that possession in the eyes of his men and looking to stomp it out. He's looking to girder their spines with fearlessness and with courage. You can imagine an officer, he's wearing that transverse crested helmet, right? Moving up and down the line, behind his men, steadying them. Telling them that their wounds are not as bad as they first appear. Telling them to stand shoulder to shoulder, to stay close, to support one another. Because he knows that if fear is able to grip his men, and we've seen historical accounts of this, you hear stories of this from the Civil War and the Revolutionary War and every other battle, that you could ever imagine, that as soon as fear takes hold in an army, and they start to flee, and the ranks start to break, people's resolve wears down and quickly disintegrates. And full-scale pandemonium and panic take over. The desire to survive at the expense of all else takes over, and invariably, that army is routed. So here we have Dianikes going up and down the line as an officer, encouraging his men to stand strong. And this is no small feat, not by a long shot. In fact, both sides of this are learned skills. The ability to stand in the face of danger is what separates a capable and long-living military professional from everybody else. It has to be trained. This is not a natural skill. To go towards the sound of the guns, as we're fond of saying in the Marine Corps, is not an organic and inherent trait for most people. In fact, quite the opposite. So you have to be trained to do that. And the other side of that is that the officers who must keep their military fighting professionals in line and keep them strong in the face of adversity must be trained on how to do that. 
And it's a skill that I hope none of you ever have to employ in this exact form, but it serves importantly here to highlight an important role of not just a Spartan officer, but of any leader. Depending on your position and the responsibilities that you have as a leader, you are almost certainly not the one doing all of the work. That's why you're the leader, right? There is a team of people who you are charged to lead. And this applies equally across military, government, employers, and, and all industries. No one expects you to be Achilles. Nobody expects you to lead the charge and wade into battle. Instead, your job is to steady your team, coordinate their efforts, inspire them to achieve and to win. And if this sounds a little rah-rah and silly, consider something that I've pointed out before, that no individual achieves greatness without a team. Nor, I would say, does a team achieve greatness without a leader. Every major sports team, every business, every government that has done something amazing didn't just have a leader, they needed a leader. And though the Spartans fell to a man at Thermopylae, including Dianakes, they served their role and they held the Persians at bay for a sufficient time to allow their countrymen to rally their forces. So Dianakes and his men did their job. And the point here that Pressfield and Zionese and I am trying to make is that the team would not have been able to do its job. Those 300 would not have been able to stand the way that they did and fight for as long as they did had it not been for their leader encouraging them and steadying them in the face of certain doom. They had to know the second that they stepped into those gates that that two million person army was coming through those gates. It was only a matter of time. But yet they stood, and they fought, and they died to a man to defend their homeland. And that's admirable. And it was made possible, at least in part, not just to their skill, but because of their leader. And the important piece is here that, as Dianakes didn't make it, nor did any of, his, any of his soldiers, you won't always be successful. But, as a leader, the expectation and necessity for self-composure and self-restraint is paramount to your team, having any hope of victory. Without you, they will certainly fail. But with you, you give them the best chance that they have, and that is the leader-follower relationship, the importance of the leader-follower relationship. So today, as we close, go be like Dianakis. When the situation is worst, when the odds are long and the team is shaken, be the rock. Be steady. Instill courage and strength and bolster your team for what you know is to come. It doesn't matter what your profession is or how silly this all sounds. Believe me, it is a critical role you must be prepared to play if you are to be the leader. Until next time, I'm Matthew Monroe. This is Quotations, and thank you for listening. If you've enjoyed this episode and would like to hear more, please subscribe in your favorite podcast app or visit me at quotationspod.com to download and listen. Please also take a moment to recommend the podcast to a friend. That's a huge help. You can tweet at me at quotationspod. Send me an email to quotationspod at gmail.com. Find me on Instagram at quotationspod or join the conversation on Facebook at quotationspod. I look forward to hearing from you. Welcome your feedback. And thanks as always for listening.